Good morning. Nice to see everybody today. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you say that after Thanksgiving? Before Thanksgiving? I don't know. I said it. So somebody can kick me off the stage. It's great to see everybody today. We're launching a brand new series, Unboxing Christmas. How many of y'all love getting boxes in the mail? Anybody? Some of you? Hey, by the way, um, can I just make one commentary on my time here in Colorado? And I don't want to offend anybody in here if this is your profession, okay? But I'm probably going to. What's up with the plowing here? Like my neighborhood, I have never seen this before. Someone plowed like, say, two-thirds of the road, then left about two feet of four feet, and then plowed the last four feet. So like two thirds of in like you turn to go into like where my house is like there's a mat like and it's like they missed it. I don't I don't understand your plowing systems here. And maybe it's because you don't have to think long term about the snow. Like we had to in Maine think long term. So you get that snowstorm and it was like get it out and back. So like we're pushing it about an acre and a half back in. Because you know it's not going away. And so, but I, I, we, we landed and then it drove up and I, I, I got off on 34 there, 34 and 25. I live back in that area. And I, I was like, did it snow today? Like, I thought the roads would be clear six days after the storm. But <laughs> apparently that's not really a priority around here. Like, no big deal. So I just want to say, hey, you know, Solid B minus on the plowing effort, everybody. It's just kind of funny. But uh, it's great to be here. I, it's great to, literally, it's great to have gotten here this morning, given the plowing situation. So it's really good. But uh, we're launching this series, uh, Unboxing Christmas. How many of you have heard of a little thing called YouTube? Uh, it's kind of new out there. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. But there's these folks that go on YouTube and do these unboxing videos. You ever watched an unboxing video? If you're under 25, you probably have. If you're between the ages of 25 and 40, you may be watched one of your kids watch an unboxing video. If you're over the age of 45, just don't even worry about it. It's, you'll never get it. I'm close to that 45 point and I don't get it. You know, you're shaking like, my kids will watch people open up their packages. What are you watching? Even worse, there's a guy named Brandon Ferris who has this like YouTube channel. Anybody heard of Brandon Ferris? He's, he's pretty funny. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that. But he does these like shows on YouTube, his channel, and he just, he just opens presents that people send to him. So people send him presents, and one of the things that he does is he just opens them. So he'll, like, this is like an hour-long video of him opening presents from fans, and my kids watch it. Like, what are you, why are you watching someone open things you wish you had? I don't... I don't get it, but that's what happens. And they make these unboxing videos, right? Where like they, they say, hey, this is the brand new edition of the whatever, whatever thing you like. And they unbox it and they show it. And we kind of thought, well, let's do that about, what if Christmas was like an edition, right? Because Christmas, I don't know if you know this or not, this may come as a shock to some of you, but Christmas comes with extraordinary regularity. Like the only time Christmas is late is once every seven years. Once every seven years, you're going to get an extra shopping day because there's, it's a leap year, right? That's next year. But generally, 365 days later, Christmas arrives right on time. 
right? And, but with it, every year is kind of unique and different. So we were thinking about this season. We thought, well, what if we thought of Christmas as a new edition, right? This is the, the, the iPhone 12,000, right? This is Christmas 2019 edition, right? I don't know what that is in, in Roman numerals. So, you know, I can't do that in my head, but right. Like what would it look like if we were to kind of unbox Christmas? Because there is this phenomenon going on in our world of the subscription world, right? The subscription model, the monthly box subscription. Is anybody here a part of a like monthly or quarterly box subscription? You get a box in the, it's okay. You can be proud of it. It's a shame. There's, I'm not shaming you yet. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> I love it. I've been here like two months. People are like, I'm not raising my hand. That guy is going to like go crazy on me. No, no, listen. Right. So this monthly box phenomenon. So I, I like to do the monthly boxes, Christmas presents, right? So for Wendy, because I feel like it's the gift that reminds her how awesome I am three months later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, so I've done the, the box thing, right? And one year I did the wine of the month, but it didn't come every month. It was like a quarterly box of wine that came. Now, I don't like wine, but she likes wine. And so I thought we'll do the, the, the box of wine thing. Now, the interesting thing about mailing wine in the state of Maine is you cannot mail that to a residential house. Can't do it. So you mail it to like a business. And what business am I in? So every three months to the office of our church, <laughs> the UPS guy would deliver this. And it was like, they were like, it was not hidden. It was like wine box, you know, it was like the people in the office, especially volunteers, they didn't know what to do when like shows up this like huge box of wine for the pastor's wife. <laughs> he must be a bear to live with. You know, I think that was what they all thought. Right. You know, so that was kind of fun every time that came. And they were like trying to hide it and everything. It was like, Wait, relax, everybody. It's okay. Calm down. But uh, so we did the wine. We also did a cause box. Have you ever done a cause box? I did the cause box thing two years ago as a Christmas present. And uh, I'm not allowed to stop the subscription. So it's been the Christmas present that just keeps giving year after year after year. And I, I, don't, I feel like that's not fair. I feel like it was a once a thing, but I'm, I don't, I'm not allowed to get rid of that one. So it's every quarter. Cosbox is pretty cool. You should check it out. It's kind of like uh, wares from uh, really good, uh, like fair trade things and empowerment of women in the world. It's pretty cool Cosbox. And man, when that, you get an email from Cosbox telling you it's on its way. That's exciting. It's on its way. You can even customize your Cosbox, right? Now, how many of you have ever got an Amazon package? Some of you are like, I don't know what Cosbox is. I say Amazon, everybody's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> Amazon, my favorite, right? Amazon, we love Amazon, right? We watch for it. We get the tracking information. You know, when it is out for delivery, it is going to be awesome when it shows up. You don't look like my Amazon guy. Better look. Better. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> Thank you, Isaac. Who's this for? This is for me. Happy Amazon. Happy Amazon. Oh, that's cool. How many of y'all like get an Amazon box? Y'all ever watch it? Like get the tracking number? Y'all ever had an Amazon box be like five minutes late and call them angry? <laughs> They're like, ma'am, please refer to your wine of the month club and relax. Your box will be there eventually, right? We love Amazon. We watch through. We love it when the box shows up. Now, how many of you have the, you have the self-control to say this phrase out loud? Okay. 
I'll open that later. Said no one in the history of Amazon deliveries, right? We'll open that in a, in a week. No, you know what it is, but you still have to open it. And you open it with an understanding that it might be something different, right? <laughs> but it is exactly what it is. Now, the interesting thing is, I really don't know what's in this. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't seen what's inside of this. I hope I know what's... Oh, I about stabbed myself. <laughs> but when you use a box knife as a prop, don't push it out until you're ready to use it. So... Uh, is it okay if I open this right now? I feel kind of bad because I didn't get you anything. But not that bad to stop me from opening this big old box here. So we're talking about unboxing Christmas. So we can, this is like Christmas showing up here. Let's see what we've got in here. Uh, unboxing Christmas. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. And there's a lot. Of... Whoa, I almost fell off. There's a lot of stuff in here. I'm not gonna be able to go through this whole thing. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I think this would be good. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through this box over the next four weeks, all right? So you gotta come back next week. But you do have to leave. Some of you won't leave because there's a box up here with stuff in it and you're like, well, what's in it? But you gotta come back. So we'll pull one thing out and we'll just, we'll like unbox Christmas over the next kind of four or five weeks, because here's the problem in, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion. I just happen to be the one talking, so it matters. Um, here's, here's, here's my opinion. I am just kidding around, okay? I just want everybody to know that. Don't, you should not take 85 to 100% of what I say seriously. Okay, so, so we're gonna pull some things out because here's what I think happens. I think in our world, we get more excited about Amazon than the amazing thing God wants to do in our lives during this season. Like, I really do. I think that, that some of us, we get so excited. I'm included. Like, ah, the box shows up. I get super excited. Like, I have more faith in Amazon to bring me something amazing this year than I do God sometimes. Right? And some of us in the room, we have different responses to this whole Christmas thing, right? Some of you in the room, you're like totally down on the commercialization of Christmas, right? And it's, it's probably, my guess is it's this section right here, just from looking at you. Like I can tell you are the ones that you walk in and there's Christmas decorations up and you like just want to go through and tear them all down. Right? You tweet, I hate the commercial, like Charlie Brown emojis, right? That's probably... Yes, it's definitely this section, right? <laughs> and then there's some of you in the room that like, you love the commercialization of Christmas. Like the more commercialization, the better. I think it's that little section back there. It's a small one right there. Like you love it. You walk in, the bigger the Christmas tree, the better it is. Like it could never, and I kind of sit in that camp, right? Like, like the middle sections, I'm not too sure where you stand. It's probably mixed. The bleachers are sleeping, so we don't even, they're not even paying any attention. Don't, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Right, but the, the, the point is we have these different responses. I personally am all for the commercialization of Christmas. I'm a total sellout. You know why? Because I have this, I have this belief structure that I don't really think God cares who gets the credit. I really don't think God is so petty that he's like, oh my gosh, they're singing about me to make money. I really think that God's, Okay, that's fine. I'm still getting the message out, right? I love that stores decorate, and I get it. They're trying to make a buck. But I love that every year this time of year, you just can't get around that it's Christmas. And you just can't get around the Christmas music. And it's still true that 60, 70, 80% of the music you're gonna hear when you walk around or on the radio that's Christmas music tells this amazing story of Emmanuel, God with us. 
But oftentimes we can go and we can just think, oh, Christmas is here again and we know the story and many of you have like been around faith for a while and it becomes ho-hum. And so this series, I want us to like, Un, 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 release our minds from kind of the, the Charlie Brown way of seeing it. Say, okay, Christmas is being delivered to us again. And what could we find in it? And so the first thing I want to pull out in this is, is this little box that says Christmas 2019. Because today I want to start with us understanding and starting to think of Christmas like this. That this is a gift that God wants to give to us. That it's not just something that comes every 365 days of the year. It's not just a place where we commercialize the baby Jesus and we make money off of the manger, right? But this is a moment where God says, I wanna do something amazing, more amazing than Amazon in your life as you pause and as cultures and communities and as the globe pauses and says, this is the moment where we celebrate the birth of God. And we don't fully understand that. We're not exactly sure how it happened. But we stop and we say something amazing happened in the birth of this man, Jesus. And so we're gonna to start to unbox some things. And see, the story that we read during our, I'll see if we can set this right there. The story that we read during our Advent candle was the story of Zachariah. And you see, I think Zachariah, if they would have set up Christmas trees, which they did it, by the way, back then, that's a fairly modern phenomenon. Uh, but if, if they would have done that, if they, he would have been shopping, I think Zachariah would have been kind of the guy who's like, oh, the commercialization of Christmas. It's a racket. But I think he had probably come to a space in his life where like his whole heart had just kind of shrunk a couple sizes too small. And I'll show you why. If we look at Luke chapter one, which is where we find this story. By the way, if you're new to Bible study, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the gospels. They're part of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. And, and the gospels just, it means good news. And it tells the story of the, the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And they're, they're told from very different perspectives. So one thing you should know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were all kind of written probably in, for a certain community. And those communities didn't have the other writings, right? So when, they, when Mark first shows up on the scene, not the person Mark, but the book we call Mark now, which by the way, wasn't called Mark back then. When this, when this collection of Jesus sayings and the life of Jesus shows up, this would have been the only thing that that community would have had written down about Jesus. And like the gospel of Mark, interestingly enough, doesn't say anything about a manger or a virgin birth or angels and shepherds. It doesn't say anything about that. It just wasn't a part of that community's faith. Isn't that fascinating? That there were people who followed Jesus who knew nothing about what they were supposed to believe around a virgin birth or angels in the sky or shepherds. And, and each of the stories, so John is another one. John doesn't say anything. John just gives you this really crazy philosophical understanding of Jesus at the very beginning. He was the logos, the word made flesh. Give me a, what does that mean? Right? And so there's all these different takes on it. And so we're gonna look at this take from this perspective of a guy named Luke or the community that we call the community of Luke that they, this is how they understood the birth of Jesus, right? And by the way, the book of Luke was probably written 50 years, 60 years after the life of Jesus, right? It's one of the later pieces of writing. All the letters of Paul were written long before uh, the gospel. We ever kind of found that out. So it's just because it comes first in the New Testament doesn't mean that it was first on the scene. And so Luke, we find a one way of understanding this, this birth of Jesus. And I think there's some lessons for us that last a very long time, which is why we still have it. So let's see if we can explore some of that in the life of this guy named Zechariah. So here's what it says. It says, when Herod was king of Judea, now everybody reading this story at that point in time would go, whoa, right? They would hear the word Herod and chills would just 
You know, maybe there's a politician in your lifetime that if we were to say it was in the days of, I don't know who to say. I don't want to, I want to be an equal opportunist in offending political sensibilities, right? So you could pick a party. It was in the days that the, I, I, I'm in a hole here. I've got to dig out of, all right? Whatever, there's no win when you start political humor, right? So uh, in a church at least. And so... Right, so they would hear because Herod was not so crazy, right? I mean, he was this crazy guy uh, who who was really out to lunch. Like you should read some of the history on Herod. So everybody would place this was a time of chaos, of unstable leadership. I mean, just nobody knew what they were going to get with Herod. He was a murderer. He was, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And so everybody would place the chaos that was going on, right? They knew that. It says, during that time, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. It goes on and says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. First of all, God doesn't have real eyes. Right? Can we just establish that? That the, Okay, so God, we understand God and we use language that we understand to describe this thing called God, but God doesn't really have eyes. I just think that's important to say every now and then, okay? Right, so in God's eyes and according to the the way in which God works, right, whatever we wanna say there, God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Now, we have this idea of Herod who is crazy out to lunch, unrighteous, like lawless, selfish, and he's being put right next to these two folks that that Luke says, they obeyed all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Now, first of all, there's no way that that's true. There's no way that they obeyed all the regular, all the time. And some of you, that freaks you out because the Bible says that. And, And so now you're like, what am I saying? But your life tells you no human being has ever perfectly lived out God's desire for their life, right? Except maybe, maybe me, maybe. (laughs) There's two or three decisions along the way that are still up for grabs. Time will tell, right? No, we know that. What, What is the writer saying here? The writer is letting us know that there's something special and unique about these folks. The way in which people saw them. You have those people in your life that you look at and you're like, oh, they're just too good. They're just too good to be true. Like I used to always say, like when a family would show up at church or something and they just looked perfect or I would meet them out somewhere, I would say, oh, don't you belong on the cover of L.L. Bean catalog, right? Because that's what we had and maybe we had L.L. Bean, right? I don't know what you have here, but like it's always the perfect family. It's like snow has fallen. It's perfectly plowed roads, you know, everything is going on, right? That's a throwback joke. I appreciate those of you that could remember that far back in the talk, right? It's just perfect. And that's the way people thought of Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were just, they were a perfect family. They came from perfect pedigree. It was great. But there was something strange about them. Scripture says that they had no children. And Luke all of a sudden decides to play doctor. That's a joke because Luke was a doctor, according to tradition. (laughs) But uh, he was a doctor in antiquity, right? And he says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive as they were both very old. Now you gotta understand in in antiquity, whenever you were dealing with barrenness, it was always the woman's fault, always. It was just part of a patriarchal culture. It's not meant to care, but that was the understanding of things. Isn't it interesting how things have flipped? Antiquity was always the women's fault. In, In modern days, it's always the man's fault, right? We've grown as a human species. We understand this, right? We've just gone to these two extremes. But that was the understanding. But here's what we need to know. Like as much as their life looked picture perfect, there was always whispering behind their back. 
oh my gosh, what's wrong there? They don't have any kids. I mean, unfortunately for a patriarchal culture like this, the the crown of being a, a woman was giving birth to children, particularly sons during this time period. And so there was always these whispers. And I have to imagine that Elizabeth and Zechariah, that they lived, they lived their whole lives filled with disappointment and disgrace. People whispering behind their back, wondering why are these two people who, who like seem to, like they're so obedient to God, there's some secret sin, there's something going on there. And so they're living in this. And I imagine there was lots of prayers in their whole life and it had never been answered. And so that's kind of the background of the story, which by the way, the, 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 the miraculous birth is a major, major theme in the Bible. If you look in, in some of the most incredible stories of leaders, there's, there's always a birth narrative that's just pretty crazy. It's kind of a standard thing for great leaders to have a narrative that involves this amazing tale of their birth. And so we shouldn't be surprised that this, this child is, is, comes out of extraordinary circumstances. And again, the point of the literature is to tell us that this person person was, because it's written after his life, was very, very special all the way from the beginning, right? And so we learn this. And now it says that one day Zechariah was serving God uh, in the temple. So he's doing his job and it was his priestly order, his collection of priests. They were on duty that week, right? It was their job. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn the incense. So every day they would go in, they would burn incense. Now, why would they burn incense? Two reasons why you'd burn incense that I can think of. Number one, if you're in a space where you're always sacrificing animals, that's gonna smell. Where are my Greeley people? (laughs) Y'all, I went to Target about three weeks ago in Greeley. I did not know what happened. I was inside of Target. I really, honestly, my daughter and I, we looked at you like, what is going on? Like we didn't have any clue. And we walked back out to the car, like literally, you know, like trying. And y'all people were just walking around like it was nothing, nothing at all. It was insanity, right? And then we learned why. So incense goes a long way to cover up some of that, right? But the other thing is this, Incense, when it was being burned, the smoke from the incense was a, was a mental, physical reminder for the people that prayers were rising because it was the common belief of the day that God was up high, right? The devil was down low. We were somewhere in the middle. And so when you prayed, you were praying up into the heavens because that's where God was, was the understanding. And so the, the incense rising gives a mental picture that our prayers are actually physically rising, that God is hearing our prayers. It was, it was simply a metaphor. And we actually find this because as while the incense was, was being burned, there was a great crowd standing outside the temple. What were they doing? Not a trick question. It should be on the screen. <laughs> they're praying, right? <laughs> Praying. That's what they're doing, right? And so the incense was this symbol. God is present. God is listening. Our prayers are being heard, right? Now, this all sounds really super like religious and mystical, but what I want you to get from this is, is something very important, that this was Zachariah's normal life. He was at work. He just happened to work in the temple. He just happened to be of the heritage of Abijah, right? One of the priests that was established, that family was established to be priests for the Lord forever. So he doesn't really have a choice, but this was his occupation. This was his everyday normal life. Oh, 
he was up. It was his shift. So he was there working when he has this crazy experience. And it's important that we get that because sometimes we think, oh, God shows up to Zechariah because he's in the temple. He's in some holy, sacred space. Well, let me share with you my own heart on this, that the only sacred space left on this planet is the human heart. That's my belief. My belief is that you are the only sacred space left, right? That, that, that God shows us in the person of Jesus that these things don't hold any sacredness, but what is holy is what lives and breathes and moves. Not moves, but moves. Although moving, I think there's something sacred about life. I really do believe that, creation care. And so that, we just, I just don't want you to, I don't want you to sit here and go, oh, well, that's Zachariah. He was in the temple. He has an encounter with God because he's in the temple. No, he's just at work. He's just at work. And so it says that while Zachariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. I think that's funny, that measure of details. To the right, not the left, right? And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Why? Because angels and visions of angels were always accompanied by fear because they were these warriors. They were considered gods. They were considered divine beings. This was not like, hello, you know, I'm, I'm here and I just got my wings because the bells went off. And Jimmy Stewart, thank you, right? Like these were considered like the Navy SEALs of like heaven, Right. And so every response to an angel showing up is like, fall on your face, right? Pretend it's not happening. Pull the covers over your head, whatever it might be, right? So the angel says, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. So the angel shows up. What's happening here? This is so fascinating to me. Zechariah is actually praying in that moment that he'd have a child. And I imagine because of, of, of Zechariah's response that he wasn't praying with a great deal of faith. <laughs> I imagine he was praying a little bit more like a lot of us do. Like, I know I'm supposed to pray. I know I'm supposed to talk to God about this. I know I'm supposed to believe that God can do this, but I just don't see it happening ever. But I'm still gonna do it because I know I'm supposed to. It's kind of what we call going through the motions, right? And I have a feeling that Zechariah was probably going through the motions because I don't think that the angel shows up and is like, hey, like totally my bad. God sent me a long time ago and I totally forgot about it. I totally <laughs> forgot. Just, I got distracted. I've got a little angel ADD, my bad. Your prayer was heard like a decade ago. And so, no, I think in that moment, he's in the middle of his life praying, right? And, and the angel goes on and says, this is gonna be a unique child. And he talks about not having any alcohol, being filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And, and this is a powerful thing. It says that he will turn the Israelites to the Lord, their God. It says that this man that you're gonna name John, that you're gonna raise will have the spirit and power of a guy named Elijah. If you're new to the, the Bible and new to these stories, Elijah would have been one of the most famous prophets, mouthpieces, leaders in Israel. He fought for justice, the rights of the oppressed. He stood against evil and corrupt leaders. I mean, it, the, the, the man that Elijah was, we need more leaders like Elijah today in our world. And this is who John is gonna be like. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Like this is big stuff. See, what we're hearing is that, that John is gonna be what we would call a change agent. 
that John was gonna come and he was gonna examine the old ways. He was gonna examine the way things were being done and he was gonna start to, to point out, hey, there's a better way. And he was the one who was gonna prepare the people because the only way you can prepare for the new is to change the old. And that's frightening for some of us that don't like change. How many of y'all don't like change? Raise your hand up nice and high, own it. Say, don't change it. I've been wearing this shirt for 45 years. <laughs> Not every day, but you've had it, right? Don't change. I don't like change, right? A lot of us, we don't like change, but if we aren't willing to change, how are we ever going to accept what God wants to do in the new? Right? Change is, is hard and difficult, but this was the call of John to come and begin to be this voice, right? Now, I don't want you to equate the word old with bad because that's not the case. It's not that John just simply came to say, hey, here's all these old things are bad. I think what John came to say is like, here's how these old things potentially served their purpose in their time and their day, but now there's something new. God wants to do a new thing. God is breaking in and I'm here to prepare hearts and minds. And that's what he was doing. And so Zechariah responds like any one of us would when an angel shows up, we would say, absolutely, whatever you say, angel man, just don't hurt me. No, like Zechariah's like, uh, okay. But how am I gonna know this will happen? Like, I'm an old man. My wife is also well along in years. Like, how am I really gonna know? Like, give me a sign. Like, like if I'm Gabriel, I'm like, <laughs> like, what more do you want, right? Well, Gabriel, like, so the story goes, is not a fan of this response. And he says, I'm Gabriel. How many of y'all have ever responded to somebody like that? <laughs> I'm Ryan, like, know my name. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how we roll, right? Usually somebody does that. We're like, okay, whatever. You know, he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was God who sent me here to bring you this good news. What do you mean you need a sign? What do you mean? How will you know it's going to happen? But now, oh man, nothing ever good follows that phrase. But now, like you have children in this room and you were going to do something really sweet for them. And then they shot their mouth off and you were like, I was going to, but now, uh-uh, right? <laughs> but now, but now you didn't believe what I said, but he was just praying for it. He was just praying for it, but you didn't believe what I said. You'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Oh, there's so much, you do a whole message on that one statement right there. My words, God's words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. But here's what had happened. I think, I think that Zachariah's heart, his beliefs that over time and through like disappointment, prayer not being answered the way he wanted to, that his heart had just become shrink wrapped like this box, right? This box has shrink wrap on it. The, the way to get inside of Christmas, the way to understand what, what God has for me is I have to take the shrink wrap off first. Right, it packages in, and I don't know if you've ever worked. I used to work retail when I was a, a, a lot younger, um, and we would shrink wrap boxes, and you'd have this package. It was all loose, and then you'd take a heat gun, right? And I don't know if they do this anymore. It was like 25 years ago, and then it was just like, it was the coolest thing to watch. I used to do it too long just to see it. Like, <laughs> oops, right? So you'd shrink wrap the box, and it would tighten it all up, and it would just keep it and preserve it so beautiful. But you could never get into it without what? Ripping off the shrink wrap. See, I think that Zachariah's heart had been shrink-wrapped so tight that when God actually says, I have something for you this Christmas, I have something for you, Zachariah's like, hmm, I don't know. 
But if we look at his wife, it's very interesting. If we look at Elizabeth's response, it's quite different. It says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah outside. He's having this little exchange. They're like, what is taking so long? Light the incense and come out. Come on, we got lunch. What is happening here? So they're starting to probably freak out a little bit. And all of a sudden, when he finally does come out, he couldn't talk. And they realize because he's gesturing and he's trying to tell them what's going on, that he must have seen a, a vision in the sanctuary. They don't, they, it doesn't say that they understood what he was trying to describe to them about what was gonna happen. And then here's what's interesting. Like he had to stay at work for a week. <laughs> he had to finish his service in the temple, which was one week long, and then he went home. So like for a week, he can't talk to anyone, well, for longer than a week, but he can't tell Elizabeth that she's gonna get pregnant. And when he does get home, he can't talk. There's no texting. There's no like send an email. He's trying to like, how do you describe to your wife and you are well beyond the years of childbearing? Yay, guess what? We're gonna have a baby. Like, how do you even do that? I just imagine like weeks of misunderstandings, right? What is going on? But eventually it says soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth did become pregnant and she went to seclusion for five months. It says that she said this, how kind the Lord is because he has taken away my disgrace of having no children. See what I think is fascinating about this statement is it would have been really easy for Elizabeth to go, it's about time. It's about time. That even when kind of the answer to prayer comes, like bitterness could have set in, like her heart could have been shrunk wrapped, but it wasn't. Like her barrenness, her, her, her people looking at her and talking about her, the disgrace that she felt, like she did not allow that to shrink wrap her heart. She was ready to receive what God had for her. And so here's, I think, the, the little lesson for all of us today is that if we are gonna get into the box of Christmas this year, if we are gonna take all that God has for us, if we're gonna unbox Christmas 2019, it starts with like taking the shrink wrap off of our hearts. Like looking for those spaces in our life where we have just kind of closed off ourselves to God. And maybe you are brand new here. And maybe this idea of God and Jesus wanting to actually be a part of your life, like maybe that's an area that you've kind of shrinked wrap and said, there's no space for that. Like God doesn't love me. God doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe God wants to just start to tear a little hole in that shrink wrap. Maybe God wants you to open up just a little bit and just explore what maybe God has for you this Christmas season. So here's very quickly a few things that we can do in our everyday normal life, very quickly. One, this Christmas season, you wanna unshrink wrap your heart and area of your life, don't forget the power of just those spiritual habits in your everyday normal life. Don't forget the power of going through the motions. Zachariah was going through the motions. I don't believe there's any doubt in that. It's what he did time and time again. But in the middle of it, he encounters God. Zechariah could have quit a long time ago. He could have stopped burning the incense. He could have said, I'm out, forget it. I don't wanna do this. I, I do everything I'm supposed to do. Even Luke says, I, I'm righteous in every way. <laughs> but he doesn't, he continues. And so I wanna encourage you in those spiritual habits of learning, learn. We used to say, read your Bible. We say, read your Bible every day. So we say, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of a, a narrow frame. And sometimes the Bible can be confusing and can be daunting. So what I like to say is spend some time learning every day, learning about someone's perspective on God, learning about your perspective on God. And you can do that from reading parts of the Bible. You can do that from reading authors. You can do that from listening to podcasts. You can engage and encounter the written word and, and learn. 
right? So we set aside some time every day, every week to figure out how to explore, how to bring God into the midst of that. Right? Spiritual habit of prayer. I think prayer is very important. I think prayer can be daunting and, and maybe you're in this space where you've been following Jesus for a long time. You say, oh, my prayer life, you know, just isn't what it used to be. Well, first of all, I don't really know what a prayer life is. I, I really don't. I, I, just try to, I just try to bring God into my life, right? So, so what does that look like for you? Maybe you need to burn incense. That's crazy talk, Ryan. It's crazy talk. But I say that not because your house smells. I mean, it might, I don't know. You might live in Greeley. I have no idea, but, but I'm just kidding. Nobody from Greeley is ever gonna come back to church. I'm just joking, right? It's the exception, not the norm. That's what I've been told, right? So, but maybe you need to burn incense just to have a reminder when you see that smoke that God's present, that, that when I'm actually engaging with God, that God is present, Maybe there's something else you can do as a physical reminder. Maybe it's something on your phone. Maybe it's something on your computer. But in your everyday normal life, maybe it's something on your keychain or your fob or whatever it might be that, that when you get in your car, things that you do regularly, right? And just go through that habit, right? The habit of giving, being generous. Oh, this is such a good time of year to rekindle the fire of generosity. I love that our church went through the Blessed Life series this summer and so many people responded so well to understanding that God really does desire us to be these places of just outflow, that God wants to just move kingdom resources through us is why God has established patterns in our lives of generosity and giving. And maybe this is a season for you to give, to go to the giving tree and giving Tuesday's coming up. And maybe there's a nonprofit out there that, that's doing work that's important to you and make a donation. Maybe there's somebody at work and you know they're going through a difficult time and you can write a check and help them have a great Christmas meal, bring in food, whatever it might be. This is a great time. That's a, a spiritual habit of generosity. And I want to encourage you, a second thing, and this is, is that if you're having a temporary reality like Zachariah, like I don't have a kid, and that is starting to overwhelm the eternal truth that God is good and God is present and God is working, talk to somebody about that. Don't, don't be like Zachariah and have it held up inside of you. Talk to somebody. Grab a friend and say, man, this is a desire of my heart and I've been Wish, and maybe this is a person who's not a person of faith. They so don't want to use language like praying. So I've been wishing, hoping for this to happen. It's just not, and it's discouraging to me. If it's a person of faith, you can say, I've been praying about it for so long. But talk with somebody about that. Don't let the temporary circumstances, even though they're very real, to overwhelm the truths of eternity that you believe. And that's very difficult. But if we'll do that, if we'll remember there's power in the mundane things that we do, the spiritual habits, if we'll talk about those spaces where we've given up on praying, like we used to pray about this all the time, but now through disappointment and disgrace, we just haven't. If we'll kind of re-engage, we start to unwrap our hearts. And you know what happens? Just like John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, unwrapping our hearts will prepare the way for a new experience of God this Christmas season. And that's my prayer for us. I think that's our prayer. All the people that are involved with putting Christmas boxes out and decorating Christmas trees and, and preparing music and, and writing Advent readings and families that are gonna participate in the candle. You know, we do this, people do this, like, and hopefully you come not because you're bored, but because we ultimately wanna have a new encounter with the living God this Christmas season. And so here's the challenge for us. What needs to like, have the shrink wrap removed in our lives? 
So if you'll do me a favor, grab your connect card. We're gonna receive the offering here in just a moment. I've gone over a little bit of time. So I wanna just give you a minute or two to finish and just to wrap up in your heart this and the ushers will come in just a moment. So as you finish filling out your connect card, as you get your offering ready, there is a question I love to ask and what's God inviting you into by being here today? And maybe this is your first experience at church and that question is very strange to you. Maybe you've been here a long time and that question is strange to you. I just believe that God is always inviting us into something. Otherwise we've wasted our time. We laughed a little bit, maybe feel better about ourselves. But what is it that God's inviting you into today? Maybe you're experiencing God's invitation through the song. Maybe it was something that was read or said during the Advent reading. Maybe it was something about shrink wrapping in our hearts. Maybe, maybe it was when you walked in and you saw a family smiling. Maybe you saw the giving tree. But I guarantee you this, if you will pause and just say, Lord, what are you inviting me into today? And you just give it a minute or two. I believe God will bring something to your mind. And it's up to us to have the faith to believe that that is the God of the universe whispering into our hearts. So maybe this God of the universe is whispering to you, man, I want you to experience something you've never experienced this Christmas. So keep your eyes open. Maybe God's inviting you to write a big check to help a family in your neighborhood or at work. That family came to your, will come to your mind. Maybe God's inviting you to, to be a part of the giving tree. Maybe God's inviting you to bring somebody out for Jingle Jam. Maybe God's inviting you to volunteer somewhere in the community. I have no idea. So as you finish filling that out, and as you consider, this will give you a minute, and then I'd like to pray for you, but you might wanna close your eyes, and I just like to pause. I know it's kind of awkward. We don't have this space in our lives, really, where we just don't have anything to rush to. So maybe... Wherever you are in your journey of faith, just open your heart up for what, the, what God or the universe or whatever words you wanna use wants to form inside of you that looks a little bit like love. And then I'll pray for us. Father, I believe you're inviting every one of us on this planet into your care. I believe you're inviting every one of us on this planet to enjoy you, to live out this ethic of love, to understand your great love for us that is seen fully in Jesus. So may this Christmas season, we unbox the Christmas edition 2019 to experience something new in each of our lives individually, but also as a community of faith. May, we, may our hearts be prepared for something new and bold, something that is beyond our understanding. Help us to dream big, Lord. Help us to have big prayers like Zechariah. 
And even in the midst of those prayers, Lord, where we feel discouraged, and maybe we don't even respond to, to you when you show up in, 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 in a way that is filled with faith, may we find encouragement in Zechariah that you still worked. So speak to us, Lord. May our gathering time here not be in vain. May we scatter out of this place as the hands and feet of love and hope and peace. And may we smile every time we see a gigantic Christmas tree selling Christmas ornaments and Christmas sales. May our hearts be filled, Lord. May the shrink wrap come off. May they grow when we recognize that in subtle ways, this world still recognizes something powerful and divine happened when Jesus was born. And so Lord, help us to just enjoy the season. Help us to enjoy it with our families and our friends as a, as a local church. We welcome Lord everybody to come and enjoy it together. God, I thank you for everybody that decked the halls. Thank you for all the volunteers that made it possible to have all these decorations and lights and their generosity. Thank you that it encourages us. So Lord, we are excited and we believe that you are gonna do something new in our lives as individuals, as families, and as a community of faith this Christmas season in 2019. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an amazing week, everybody. Isaac's gonna get you out of here in just a moment.